Opinions expressed on the Ice Free Fitness podcast are those of the individuals and do not necessarily represent Blind Alive. No comments are meant to diagnose or treat any particular condition, but to assist you on your journey to wellness. Please consult your doctor if your questions are of a medical nature. Hi, everybody. This is the Eyes Free Fitness Podcast number 50, and I am Mel Scott. I am proud that it is podcast number 50. A lot of people have said, oh, you're middle-aged, and I'm thinking, no, not middle-aged. I've got a few hundred more podcasts in me at least, so we're still very young and growing and learning and changing, so I'm hoping people are going to stick with us, and who knows, um, maybe we'll get to 200 or 300. Jamie Pauls has done a great editing job for us, and Lisa Salinger and I have worked hard to make this happen, and we have a lot of support, such as Peggy Fleischer, who you're going to hear on the Let's Eat segment. Today, we also have an interview with Diane Bergeron. She is the executive director of CNIB in Canada, and she is a triathlete. But the beautiful thing about Diane is she's not fanatical. She's just slow and steady and make it happen, and she takes it step by step. And we talk a lot about what motivates her and how she does it, and it's a fun conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get to the interview, though, I want to talk to you about something that I think is very, very important. And my friend, Marty Klein, he is the guy that created Blind Yoga, and you can find that at blindyoga.net. He has been working on a documentary for the past year, and it's called Why Can't We Serve? And he's talking about people in the military, people that are getting wounded and disabled in the military and then coming back and getting medically discharged without adequate care afterwards so that they can support themselves and their families. And there are many, many suicides that happen every single day from veterans that have been wounded. So Marty is creating, he has created a petition to the White House to get this policy changed. And what we want is for people with disabilities who have great abilities to work at computers and to do all kinds of other things that do not have anything to do with active combat. We believe that those people should be able to volunteer for the military, if that's what they choose, and they should be able to continue in the military when they come back, if that makes sense, and they can accomplish adequate, very good job, which most of them really can. So what we need you to do is go to his website, WhyCan'tWeServe.com, and the links are going to be in the show notes, and there will be an actual link to White House petitions. And what you will do is go and click on that link, the White House petitions link, and give them your name and your email, and then press the sign up. And what you may not see with your screen reader is it will say you will get an email saying that you need to go and confirm your signature. So you get that email, you go in, you press on confirm signature, and then it'll take you back, and then it'll say you have successfully signed a petition. The email may not land in your inbox. It may land in your junk mail. So go look for it. This is super important, and I believe that the blind community has so much to offer to this country, and we can do much more than we are allowed to do at present. So please go check this out. Take a moment and be patient and go sign the petition for Marty Klein. Thank you so much, and let's get on to the interview with Diane Bergeron. Hi, Diane. 
Hey, how are you, Mel? I'm doing great. How are you this this summery day? I am wonderful. Yeah, is it super hot? You're in Canada, right? I am in Canada. I'm in Ottawa, Ontario, and it was a beautiful, beautiful sunny day, about 90 degrees Fahrenheit. And um, so I spent as much of my time outside today as I possibly could. I took the day off work so that I could be outside in the sunshine. Oh, good deal. So did you uh, did you run today? I did not run. I did a physio session today, and then I did a swim set this afternoon. So I did get my uh, my fitness in. Good deal. But it was it was not running. I ran yesterday. So what's a physio session? Physiotherapy. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I did yeah. physiotherapy this morning. So are are you working on something in particular? Just making sure that I don't get injured. I had a little bit of pain in uh, in my um, post tibias, my shins, behind my shins, and a little bit of foot pain. And I went to see the physiotherapist just to make sure that I knew the proper stretches to make sure that it didn't get worse because I, I need to be ready to run long distances soon. And so it, w- it was more preventative than, than anything else. Yeah. So tell us about what it is that you're doing. I know you're, you're doing a triathlon coming up soon and a, a marathon too, right? Yeah, I have a I have a half Ironman coming up in um, September, September third. I'm doing a half Ironman, which is um, and I'm really sorry, I don't know the distance. It's seventy point three in miles. It's a two kilometer swim, which is I think about one point three miles, something like that. And then the bike is, uh, oh my lord, sixty kilometer or sixty miles. It's it's ninety kilometers. Um, which yeah, I think may- is- yeah, maybe it's better not to know. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> and it's about it's about fifty miles or sixty miles somewhere in there, and then the um, the run is a is a uh, half half marathon at the end. So I'm doing that September third, and then October second, I'm in Corning, New York, to do the my very first full marathon, the the Wine Glass Marathon in Corning, New York. Oh, fun! Um, and then I'm heading to Disney in January to do the Dopey Challenge, which is. Uh, <laughs> really dopey. It's, um, you do a 5k on the Thursday, a 10k on Friday, 21 on Saturday, and then the full 42 kilometer marathon on Sunday. So it's 78 kilometers over four days. Oh, wow. That, that'll be interesting. That should be fun. I figure if Mickey and uh, Minnie are cheering me on, I can do just about anything. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I love, I love that. My guide dog is a a Disney dog. Her name is her name is Jingles, which is I think it was Walt. Did, I may have this wrong, so don't anybody quote me on this. It I think Jingles was Walt Disney's father's or Walt somebody's favorite horse's name. So um, I think that's how she got her name, Jingles. That's that's what <laughs> I be. like. That's what I like to think anyway, because Jingles in and of itself is not a name I would have chosen, but I can kind of handle it if I think, okay, it's she's named after her something, <laughs> something else. Other than other than Bells at Christmas. Oh, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, do you, you have a guide dog. So I do. Yeah. Do you use, is it he or she? It's a she. Her name is Lucy. She's a golden retriever. Oh, yeah. My Jing is a, is a golden too. So do you use her for any, any of your training? Like- you know, I, I don't. Um, I tried to. I thought it would be really fun if she could, even just in healing, come, you know, run beside me. It would get her uh, exercise. And I thought if I could go with sighted guide on my right side and the dog on the left just healing and having some good exercise, that'd be great. But she doesn't seem to understand the idea that when running, she cannot then pull me. Right. And um, so it didn't work out for her to run with me. So she she needs to stay home when I'm when I'm doing my my exercise. Although I do the I, I do several eyes free fitness workouts. You do. I do. And, and when, I, when I'm on the floor, she seems to be very involved Yes, um, in those trying to stop me from, you know, it's time to play. You know what it's like as soon as you're on the floor with the dog, they're on top of you. So it's really hard to do your, your bridges when you've got a 60-pound golden retriever trying to climb on top of you. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly right. I Finally, Jing has figured out that Okay, I tell her to go over there and lie down, and she, and she does. And then my cat comes in and decides, okay, I'm going to help you do your bridges, you know, by yeah. lying on your chest. And yeah, <laughs> oh, well. a little extra resistance, right? Yeah, a cat, a cat you can handle, but a sixty pound dog you can't. 
not very well. Mm-hmm. So so your pup stays at home, and then so when you do your running, are you you're running? How do you do that exactly? Um, I have two things. When I, if I can find a, somebody who's uh, sighted that can take me sighted guide, um, I do hand over hand. I don't use the um, the tether strap unless I'm actually racing because there are rules about you need to be tethered either at the waist or, or the wrist in triathlon. So I will use the tether strap just to have our, you know, to follow the rules. But I like to have a hand over hand because um, with me being total, I just find that there's a lot more control for the guide to be full contact. So I like to go outside, of course, not in the wintertime in Canada, it gets pretty cold. But when I don't have a guide, or if it's too cold out to go running, I use a treadmill at home. So I'm curious about when you're using a treadmill at home, are you very conscious of your form? And is it, how do you get your form right on the treadmill versus when you're striding out? you know, outside, is there a difference? There's a difference in your ability to handle your footing outside. You don't have the moving ground underneath you. So I find it's almost like two different sports. But when I'm running on the treadmill, I'm very careful to make sure that um, I, I always have one hand on the um, the hand rail. Yes. But I like to run to music. I'm I'm a big music person gives me energy yeah motivation. definitely motivating yeah, yeah. So, so when you go to music are you looking for a certain beat like 100 um, like 100 and, you know a certain amount of uh, beats like, per minute i don't actually look for the beats per minute but i actually have it set up so that i have faster songs so i have i have it set up so that i have a couple of songs that are faster and then one that's a little bit slower so i can you know bring my heart rate down a little bit and then i pick up the beat a little bit more. So I don't know what the specific is. It's probably about 170 to 180 beats per second because that's the the cadence I like to try and strive for. So right. somewhere in that in that area for the different songs that I use. Um, I'm 51, so I like 80s music. So I have a lot of older stuff. And uh, <laughs> then I have some stuff that's newer because my daughter got me into it and, and that kind of thing. But um, I use the music to give me a bit of motivation. So I, but I always switch my arm if i'm you know if i'm holding on to the right handrail on the next song i switch my arm to the left side to make sure that i'm balancing properly and i'm not over compensating on one side or the other excellent yeah i was i was going to ask you about that and it's because it's kind of hard to find a treadmill these days that's got the double arm the double rails and you can usually find a treadmill that's got the rail in front of you so you can touch it with both hands. But to be able to have a rail that's long enough on either side, so it sounds like you don't have the, you don't have the kind of treadmill that has the longer rails on either side either. Yeah, I do. I have a, I have a rail on either side. I, I very specifically, I called the place when I went looking for a treadmill, I called the, the store, got a salesman on the line, and I said, I have a mission for you, and that is I need handrails on the side. I need it to have tactile buttons and I need an audio beep or some kind of audio feedback so that when I press a button, I know that it's been activated. And I said, I'll be there at five o'clock. Go off on your mission. I'll see you later. And he did it. And I showed up uh, later on that day and he had two machines pulled out and he said, you know, I I didn't realize how many machines had flat screens or, you know, (laughs) no side rails or it, but he found two machines. And they were both over my price range that I had given him because I also gave him a price range. And he said, I'll sell them to you for your price range just because we can't accommodate what you had looked for in a lower price range. So a fabulous, uh, fabulous store. And the guy was really, really good to me. But I do have all of that at home. The one thing I do find is I travel a lot in my job. I do a lot of international travel. And so I go to hotels and they've got flat screens, and mm-hmm. it's so hard to work out how to use the treadmill. So I travel with those little bump-ons, you know, the little rubber stick-on dots. Yeah, yeah. And I, as soon as I get to the hotel, I get checked in, and then I get the bellman to take me down to the gym, and I set up a treadmill with the bump-ons. And I have no qualms about if I get down there in the morning and somebody's on that treadmill, I'll say, excuse me, can you move one over? Because I need that particular treadmill. It's got my bump-ons on it. (laughs) (laughs) I need to be able to use this independently. 
Um, and then I use I use my um, my iPhone in my pocket with the accelerometer and the uh, Nike running app to to keep track of my distance, time, and pace. Oh, that's fantastic! So the Nike running app, you know, we need to make sure we get these. Um the names of these things so that we can get these things in the in the show notes. So it's the Nike running app. And is it accessible with voiceover? It is, yeah, it is mostly accessible. There are some issues with the stop button that there's a little um, play around you need to do that I can actually send you uh, in an email for your show notes to put in. But it is the only one that I have found that works with an accelerometer on a treadmill. So starting it, setting it, no problem. It's just the stopping it that becomes an issue, and and I found a way around it. So, oh, that's that's a good that's a good thing. So, tell me about the kind of treadmills that you have because people are always asking about what kind of tre- even though it's a higher price range, you know, people still might like to know. Do you know the the brands? Yeah, it's a Nautilus treadmill. Um, I think Schwim has the same one, same type. It's been a great treadmill for me. I, I have, again, I would suggest anybody who's looking for a treadmill, you know, you can get them for pretty cheap, but you really do need one that has automatic incline and that kind of stuff, stuff that you can access easily, needs to have tactile buttons, or at least be able to put bump-ons and make it work properly. I prefer to not have to deal with that. I like it to come with the buttons that are tactile, but you can make it work. But, but I, you know, you're spending a lot of money on a treadmill. You're looking at $2,000, $1,800. To me, that's like dry, That's like getting a car. You don't take, you don't buy a car without taking it for a test drive. I make those guys plug that thing in and I get on, I go, sh- I show up in my running gear <laughs> and I get on and I run and I try it out and I try the different things and check it out. And I'm, Pretty sure they think I'm a little crazy, but you know what? It's I'm spending a lot of money, and I expect to get good quality when I get it. My Nautilus has lasted me for four years with absolutely no problems. I I agree with you. I think, it, and it's better to get one that feels good and that works well, and so you're happy with it because if you get these cheapy ones, and I've had the cheapy ones, and you know, they're awful. And oh, yeah. I I got a really good one years ago, and I used that thing for a, a really long time. But, you know, people sell those things all the time on Craigslist or something like that. And you can find people, you know, getting rid of them for, for cheap if you, yeah. know, if you know the brand you're looking for. And the, um, the flat screens, yeah, they're, they're a hassle, but you can totally make them work. Yeah, you can make them accessible. You just need a little bit of time to try it out and see what's available. And, you know, I mean, even with Craigslist, I mean, most of those people still have them plugged in at their house. I would just say, go and say, look, I got to try this out and go for a run. See how it works for you. Yeah, definitely. So you swim, too. Swimming is one of your sports. How how do you um, do that? I love swimming. Swimming is my favorite of all the sports. Well, I shouldn't say that. Swimming and biking, I think. Running is my challenge. That's my. That's always been my challenge. So that's why I'm doing a lot of it this year, because there is no challenge if you do the things that you're good at. It's only a challenge if you do the things you're not. <laughs> exactly. Um, so um, again, I have two different ways of swimming. One, I used to swim in a uh, regular public pool with like a 25 meter, just a little bit more than 25 yard pool. And I had, you know, it was with a master's program and, and it was great. And I used to swim with the rope on my right hand side and I'm a, I'm a left side breather and I would just swim up the lane. Every time my right hand came out of the water, it would touch the rope and, uh, I would count my strokes. And when I got to the end, I'd slow down. And as soon as my fingers touched the wall, I could do my flip turn and carry on. I found it difficult for transportation. I actually live just on the outskirts of Ottawa on an island, actually. And so the bus service here is not great. So transportation wasn't great. So last year when I turned 50, my husband for my birthday bought me a swim spa, which is a huge hot tub that's about eight feet by 14 feet. Oh, I've seen those. I love yeah. those. Yeah. And, and you can turn it, the temperature, like, so right now the temperature is sitting at like 82 or something. And on one end, it's like a gigantic bathtub and there's jets and you can swim against the jets. I use a belt with a tether strap and I go out there and I swim and I do my drills and 
and I love it. I'm in that thing almost every day. Oh, I want one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I suggest you have a big birthday and talk to your husband because that's how I managed it. But <laughs> That sounds so good. I love swimming. That's that's my thing. And so, so the biking, are you doing tandem? Yeah, I have a tandem bike. Um, I started out, I went literally again, I had my friend who's uh, big into cycling. She connected with her network and went on Facebook with her friends and asked if anybody had a tandem. And I bought myself a $500, like seventy five version <laughs> mountain bike. And I put old, you know, put road slicks on it instead of the mountain. And it was heavy, heavy, heavy metal steel bike frame. Right. And I did my first couple of Ironmans I did on that. And let me tell you, the bike <laughs> brutal. <laughs> 60 kilometers on that thing, especially going uphill, was no. just so hard. And then I finally, I said to my husband, I need to invest in a road, in a, like a, a, a street, a road bike, something that I can race in that's much lighter. And I, I ended up getting a Cannondale T1 tandem. Nice. Um, it's a beautiful bike. It's light like I can pick it up by myself without any oh, problem nice that's <laughs> yeah yeah it sounds like sounds and like fun I named my bikes my first one was Nelly I named <laughs> them like after horses this one is now black beauty because it's black and white and it's pretty pretty sleek <laughs> so, I like that uh, yeah so black beauty and you know when it's when we're done with it I give it a pat until it's a good it's a good boy <laughs> and we we send them off to the stable for the night and uh yeah it's it's a lovely bike we've done uh, we did a ride here in in June. We went from Ottawa to Kingston, which is 175 kilometers, and then we came back the next day. So we did 350 kilometers, which is somewhere around the area of about 220 miles in two days. Wow. And she, I mean, he, the, the bike was lovely to ride on, and it was so much fun. And, you know, I mean, it was hard. It was hard, hard work. And we didn't do it in any record time, but it was a lovely bike ride. So, did you do that with your husband? No, my husband doesn't do um, these crazy things that I do. He likes to <laughs> canoe and, you know, fish and camp. Um, I have friends that like to do the crazy triathlon stuff, and I do that with them. Good. Yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah, so I, I don't recommend actually with couples if you if you're <laughs> if you're going to be doing a tandem, communication is so important. So. You know, if you're if you're going to ride a tandem with your spouse, yeah, I highly recommend you have the conversation in advance to make sure you both go out with the same purpose. Because when my husband and I go out riding, he goes out in his sweatpants and his t-shirt, and he's going out for a lovely, relaxing ride, and I come out with you know my clip-on bike shoes and my <laughs> my helmet, my my gloves, and I'm like, all right, let's rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just my husband turn out well. <laughs> my husband and I do got a nice tandem bike too and not not as nice as yours but the communication thing is you you got that right it's yeah. it's got to be it's got to be spot on and so that that's just a, a little piece of information no matter who you're riding with really yeah. you got to get your signals straight before Absolutely. you before you <laughs> before you go out for a ride so what i want to know too is why do you do what you do? What what motivates you to to push yourself to the to the edge? You know, it's 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 funny because I only started doing triathlon at 47. Prior to that, I was yeah, you know, I was always active in my community. I did a lot of education and um when I was younger, I did some aerobics and some swimming, but really, I mean, at 47, I was pretty much a couch potato. And I had decided that I needed to challenge myself in life a little bit. And so I started doing these personal challenges. And each year I did something different. And everybody kept saying, what are you going to do next year? And <laughs> I ran out of ideas. One of my friends said, I think you should do a triathlon. And I thought she truly had lost her mind. I'm like, have, <laughs> you, have you seen me? I'm five foot two on a very good day, like five one, really. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm older and, you know, she's young and fit and she's like, no, you can do a triathlon. You just need to train. And I said, well, okay, well, that would be a challenge. So I signed us up. Um, I had a couple of guides for that race and 
we just trained. And when I crossed the finish line and I was second to last. (laughs) (laughs) Good deal. The the fact that the person behind me was like 70 means nothing. Um, (laughs) We won't go there. (laughs) I crossed the finish line. My goal was to cross the finish line upright, although crawling was never out of the question. Um, And I did it. And I said, that was crazy, insane fun. I (laughs) you know, and I hurt. Oh my God, I hurt. It was so painful with all the muscle aches. (laughs) And the next day my friend called me and she said, that was awesome. I think you can do a half Ironman. And I just said, I don't want to talk to you for a month. (laughs) Yeah. And like a month later, she phoned me and she's like, okay, it's been a month. I think you need to do a half Ironman. So the next day we signed up and I started doing long distance triathlons. And I love the distance mostly because It challenges me and it gives me something to work towards. This is all for me about at my age, it's way too easy to sit on the couch. And so I sign up for races and I think, what can I do that would be so hard for me to do that would really push me? And then I sign up and then I'm Scottish. I absolutely will not waste a penny. (laughs) And So once I sign up, I've got to do it. And so I work and train towards that. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not good at this stuff. I am not top. I, and, you know, I'm saying that I'm, I'm very proud. I just won the Canadian national um, paratriathlon championships. And that's only because the really good people were somewhere else in another country racing, getting ready for the Olympics. (laughs) Right. So, but there were other real life blind people that I was competing against. I wasn't the only one in my category this time. So it was pretty, it was pretty fun to win. Um, At the same time, this is, you know, I'm usually the back of the pack. My goal is to, is really just to cross the finish line, feeling healthy and strong and not being injured and, and really feeling like I've accomplished something that I never thought I could possibly do. So I'm always looking for what's the next thing that would really push me. And right now everything is, I mean, I know I've talked about some races that I'm doing, but my whole, the reason I'm signed up for all of those races and pushing my run right now is because I'm registering for the uh, full Ironman 2017 in Montremla. Oh, wow. We'll have to come back and check in on you <laughs> after that. I, I think that yeah. that is fabulous. And for you, being first is not the goal. For you, oh. it's it's a personal, it's your personal best, right? I, yeah, I'm not, you know, I, I say I'm not competitive. I am very competitive. I, you know, when I did that one race, it was a short race. It was a sprint. And, and yes, I was very competitive. I was all like, there's my competitor. They're still, you know, a little bit behind me. I got to make sure that I, I try to win this. Right. Um, but mostly it's what was my last time and can I beat my last time? And it's all about me. And, you know, I'm the one out on the course that's going along and I forget I'm racing and I'm cheering somebody else on. And <laughs> I love, you it. know, it's all about the experience. There is nothing more fun than spending a day outside with other people, even when it's pouring and it's cold. Yeah. You know, those other people are running past you and you know, they're giving it their all. And so are you. And you kind of high five each other as you run along and cheer each other on. And when you cross the finish line, you go, oh my God, I just, I just did something amazing. Oh, and I love that. And there's that feeling yeah. of, of finishing and accomplishing a goal that you set for yourself, even, you know, even if it's a tiny little goal. And the fact that you were not super active and then just mentally decided to make that decision and get up and, and do it, that right there is the hardest part, I think. It, it is. And it's also a matter of setting goals. I, I have a three goal setting method. I don't know. I don't know if there's an official name for it. I call it the Bergeron method. Yeah, go for it. Tell um, us. But it's it's really, you know, there's the smart goals, the specific, measurable, achievable, realistic and timestamp. Right. I, I, to me, the smart goal is a great way of setting a setting a goal. But that to me is not your main goal. That is your second goal. Because how do you know what is achievable and realistic until you try it? Exactly. So I always say set your SMART goal as your number two goal. And then think about what is so far out there. Like what what do I think would be really hard for me to get to? And 
stretch it up a little higher than that and make that your first goal. And then your third goal should be something that if the entire planet is against you that day and the weather is horrible and <laughs> you know you got a limp somewhere along the way because you've sprained an ankle and you got a flat tire, whatever it is, what is it that's going to make you feel when you walk away from that race that you are still going to feel like you have achieved something? I did. I tried my first Ironman last year and I completed the four kilometer swim. Uh, I completed 180 kilometers on the bike, which is 112 miles. I know that one. Right. And then I got halfway through the marathon. It was 90 degree or sorry, 110 degrees Fahrenheit outside with humidity. Oh gosh. And I had such bad heat stroke. Oh. Um, body functions were shutting down and I said, there is no finish line worth going to the hospital. And I stepped off the course and I felt horrible. I felt like I had failed, like I let people down. And it was a couple of days later and I thought, I just went 205 <laughs> kilometers in 14 hours in 110 degree temperatures. That is the furthest I have ever gone. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd be able to go that far in my life. I didn't fail. I didn't cross the finish line, but I still succeeded. Oh, my gosh. You absolutely. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You and absolutely did. I think that motivation for a lot of people is if you don't read, you know, a lot of people would have taken that and said, oh, well, I guess I can't do it. And you never fail. You know what? If you get up and you walk around the block, you just went further than you would have if you'd sat on that couch all day. Exactly. That's right. So every day, I think, you know, you can set those really big goals, but then you need to step back and then take a daily goal. Okay, well, today... What am I going to do to move me towards that bigger goal? Recognize what is your, what is your motivation? How, you know, is it losing weight? Is it being more fit? Is it whatever it is? You know, like there's understanding it, setting it and going for it. I was talking to a friend of mine today. She, she was always having trouble. You know, she wanted to, to lose some weight and she always said, well, if I go to the gym today, I get this as a you know, sort of a positive reinforcement when I get home. Right. And I said to her, yeah, but you don't need to have that cookie when you get home. No, no, it's not about getting a cookie. <laughs> right? Like, that's the problem is what you're giving yourself is not as important to you. What I did when I started, I value my coffee in the morning. Yes. If I don't have my coffee when I first get up, you don't want to be near me. It is not a pretty picture. <laughs> and I know that. I know that I live for that cup of coffee when I get up. So I denied myself coffee. Oh, my gosh. Until I got on the treadmill for 15 minutes to walk. Wow, that's and brutal. It was awful. I, I, <laughs> because I'd turn the machine on in the morning and I'd be down, I'd be on the treadmill and I can smell that thing. <laughs> but if I didn't get on the treadmill, if I woke up one morning and said, I don't feel like getting on the treadmill, I wasn't allowed coffee all day. And you stuck to that. You had the and willpower and the discipline to stick to that decision that you had made for yourself by yourself. Well, but, yeah, because if I didn't do it, I'd only be chitting me. Exactly. I right? love and that. It, and it worked perfectly. And I kept increasing it, increasing it. And eventually I got to the point where I said, you know, this is part of my lifestyle now. I'm allowed coffee now. <laughs> in the morning because now when I get on the treadmill I'm going to go hard for you know 45 minutes or an hour and I can't wait that long for coffee so, <laughs> so I have my coffee and but it's part of my it's part of my day it's part of what I do yeah and and the other thing I do is I have um, I'm currently sitting in my office my home office and on the wall, I have a, um, it actually has two Labrador retriever heads on it. <laughs> and it's like a, I think it's supposed to be a coat, a coat rack or a like hook thing that you put on the wall or maybe for your keys. Right. And it is covered in all of the finishers medals that I have achieved since I started. And every once in a while, I'll go over and touch those medals and remind myself that it is possible to cross the finish line. You just need to to decide to do it. They're, the only thing stopping me is me. Exactly. And it, it's a mental, a mental discipline as well as the, the physical discipline. And it sounds like you've, you've got it nailed and you've, you've done so much and you feel, you feel good. So tell me about 
Um, I know we're running long. I have a feeling you and I could just blab for, for a really long <laughs> we'll time. We'll have to make part one and part two yeah, of this yeah, yeah, that's right. But just really fast, let's just talk a, a little bit about how you support your body with food. Um, I did go see a nutritionist because when I started doing endurance sports and, you know, starting to do the longer distances, I was concerned because I am a person who does not live to eat. I eat to live, as they say. So I needed to make sure that I had enough of the right calories going in. So I did go see a sports nutritionist and dietitian. I did a journal, a food journal. She checked it out. And then she gave me a system that I could use to ensure that I was getting enough calories. So I have a, a, a base amount of food that I should take. And she's broken it down into grains, fruits, dairy, um, fats, and free vegetables and proteins. And I'm allowed so many proteins, so many free vegetables, and, and I can eat, move that around any way I want. I just need to make sure I stick to that. That's my base amount. And then when I add 30 minutes of either bike, uh, swim or run or, you know, some other kind of cardio or uh, exercise, um, you know, one of my eyes free fitness, something like that, then I add a certain amount of those, uh, those foods. So the thing I like about this system is it allows me to do treats. I'm allowed 700 calories <laughs> of treats a week, and I can have all 700 in one night if I want, but one, in, in a week, I'm allowed 700 calories. And she was very specific to put, I like a glass of white wine with dinner. And so she said a five ounce glass of white wine is approximately 100 calories. So that gives me one glass of white wine a night (laughs) (laughs) that I can have. Um, And if I want a piece of pie, I got to give up the wine. Oh, yes. So Yes. Oh, no. We we would go with the wine and not the pie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, everybody's got their own treats. That's Um, true. That's That's fine. and, and sometimes I'll look at a piece, you know, like sometimes I'll be out and especially when I'm traveling, it's really hard. I've also learned you do not need to order what's on the menu in a restaurant. I don't know if you know that. I do know that. And I it think you need amazing. to tell people. Right. You don't. Right. You don't. Like when you go to a restaurant and they've got, you know, bacon and sausage and ham and fatty foods and whatever, I go in and I say, look, here's what I want for breakfast. I want two poached eggs. I want fruit and I want a nice healthy yogurt. That's what I want for breakfast and a piece of, you know, multi-grain toast or something to give me that extra grain. And they'll make it happen for you. If you have a menu, you know, you look at the menu and it's got a lot of um, starch on the menu or something. You can say, look, I want two servings of vegetables instead of that starch. And what I do is I go to a restaurant at at night and, you know, sometimes I just don't want to eat that salad. I just don't want salad. I want something warm. So mm-hmm. I will just say, please go ask the chef to find every vegetable he's got in the kitchen and saute it with olive oil and, you know, make it taste yeah. good, good for me and throw in a whole lot of mushrooms and, you know, maybe some beans or something and put it over quinoa or brown rice and they will do it. Yeah, they certainly will. And, and, you know, it's, it's amazing. I remember I'm not a big salad eater. I find as a blind person, salad is not a friendly food to eat. I agree. It's really difficult. And I remember a comedian once said that salad is not food. It's a promissory note that's food, that, that food will be arriving. <laughs> so I have said to them, look, give me everything in that salad without the lettuce. Right. Yeah. Right? I want the tomatoes and the, the different things, but I don't want the lettuce. It's just that's too awkward for me to eat. Yeah. Or put it in a wrap. Yeah. You know, or a nice like multigrain wrap or something. There's yeah. all sorts of options that you can do when you're out. Um, traveling. I think, I think the main thing is being creative and, and you know what, that doesn't mean I don't go out once in a while and have a lovely dinner. You know, if I go to a friend's house and they've made this really, you know, they've, they've made this fattening (laughs) dinner, you know, big, lots of pasta or something like that. And they've got a cheesecake for dessert or something that, you know, I'm not going to say no, but you know, cause you want to be you know, you're, you're with friends and whatever, but understand that doing that is you, you need to balance it out somewhere else. Right. And exactly. That's, that's right. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying 
those foods as long as you get, you know, you just take care of it on the other side. And, exactly. Yeah. And a, I mean, a piece I, of cheesecake to me, I look at a piece of cheesecake and I go, okay, that's got a lot of, that's got a lot of sugar and a lot of calories. And I, if I'm going to eat that right now, I need to run more than what, if I was going to run 10 kilometers tomorrow, I'm going to have to run 15 right, to get that out of my system. And some days I just go, you know, that extra 5k is worth it for that piece of cake. And other times I go, I just don't want to have to do that tomorrow. So the cake is gone. I don't even think about it. Yeah. Yep. That's, it's easy as that. Yep. Yeah, it is. So, you know, we we may have to come back at some point and talk more about food and traveling and that kind of thing and how to, you know, I I I know you do TRX as well and uh, that's yeah. something I'm I'm interested in and TRX for people that don't know is a suspension uh, what would you call it? What does TRX? It's a, it's a suspension trainer. It's using your body your body weight as resistance, right? In order to get the weight to do some um, to do some uh, strength building exercises, right? So at some point, maybe we'll we'll come back and we'll do another whole podcast on a lot of different topics because I have a feeling uh, the two of us could just keep keep going. Um, so yeah, we could go for a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Diane, tell me. Um, can people, do you have a, a website or do you have a way people can contact you directly or is that something you would? Yeah, I do. Um, I have a, uh, I have an email address that people can um, email me at. It's theblindtriathlete at outlook.com. Oh, okay, good. So they can, they can reach me there. And I'm also doing a podcast and it's this long, really you know, huge link. I can, I, I oh. think you actually have the link to my blog that you can put in your show notes. But if you go to CNIB, which stands for Canadian National Institute for the Blind, .ca and go to their blog, you can find me there. And I'm posting every few weeks about my adventures between now and Ironman 2017, all the things that I'm doing. So. Oh, fun. Yeah, we'll definitely link to that in the in the show notes, that'll be, that'll be fabulous. So when we first started, uh, before we actually started recording, you and I were talking about quotes, and you said you had this really wonderful quote, and I would love for us to, you to share that with us before we uh, completely end the conversation. Yeah, that came out of your your last podcast, um, your 49th. This is your 50th, right? Yeah, 50. Wow, it's like we're getting old. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the podcast is getting old. We are not. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, so I was thinking, because you guys were talking in your 49th podcast about your favorite quotes, and that made me think about my favorite quote, which is actually a Helen Keller quote. And it is, one should never creep when one feels the impulse to soar. And to me, that is what I live my life by. It's, it's I, you know, I don't want to hold back. If there's an opportunity to go forward, I'm just going to go do it and you know, whether that's sports and fitness or my career or life in general, it's, you know, life is short and you got to get out there and do whatever you can to make it as full as possible. I love it. I love it. Well, Diane, thank you so much. This has been a fabulous conversation and uh, I got a feeling we're going to do it again. Sounds good. Thanks very much, Mel. <laughs> All right. Take care, Diane. Phew, finally made it. Yeah, and I feel like I walked for miles just to get here. My feet are really aching. My feet are okay, but my back is really tired and sore. I know, I know, there's this neat little invention called rolling luggage. But I have so much stuff and I just don't like the idea of it being stored out of my reach. That means all the important stuff is carried on my back. I know the feeling. If it's really important, I want it right with me. I don't have to worry about back pain anymore, though, thanks to the back T-Pack. It divides the weight evenly, so it's distributed on either side. It puts things right under my arms and hands, so they're within easy reach. I'm concerned that someone being really careful could open my pack and take something from it. The design of the back T-Pack sounds like it might cut down on that. Yeah, and because everything is close at hand, there's no need to take it on and off, on and off, every time I need to add something to it or get something out. And I can use it to carry more than I would be able to fit in the average medium-to-large backpack. So that's a winner, too. The cool thing is that all kinds of people use the back pack Hikers, students, tech enthusiasts, people who need to carry oxygen, 
and frequent travelers. Speaking of travel, I've got to get going, but is there somewhere I can learn more? Absolutely. Just visit blindalive.com slash back pack. That's B-A-C-K-T-P-A-C-K. You'll find audio, text, and even an interview with back pack's creator. Don't forget, it's blindalive.com slash back pack. I'll remember that. My back will be sure to remind me. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat, y'all. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. Let's eat. You ready to eat? Let's eat. Let's eat. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another Let's Eat segment. My name is Peggy, and I have with me again today as my guest, my daughter, Sarah. Hello. And today, we are going to talk about wraps. Wraps are another one of those healthy things that we read about and hear about everywhere that I'm not very good at. And Sarah did such a good job with the smoothie last month that I thought we would have her come back and talk to us about making a wrap. So Sarah, what's the secret to making a good wrap? The secret to making a good wrap is probably being aware of how much you're putting in it. Yep, that's me. I always overstuff them. I think probably the best thing about sandwich wraps are the fact that you get the convenient benefit of the sandwich, but the wrap itself, depending on what you use, cuts out a lot of the calories and a lot of the carbohydrate. Plus, they're on the go. You can Mm -hmm. carry them around and eat them one-handed and and you can put almost anything in a wrap can't you yeah just about um i even have a friend that used to make uh, peanut butter and jelly wraps with banana in them yeah that sounds kind of good what kind of wrap are we going to make today well today um we're just going to do a very quick and easy veggie wrap okay i have some hummus uh, which is a ground chickpea mixture this is a roasted garlic hummus We've made hummus on the Let's Eat before, so. Okay. I have some fresh avocado. Okay. I have some tomatoes, and I have some lettuce greens, salad greens. Okay. So what are we going to do first? Um, the first thing I want to do is go ahead and prepare this avocado. And you want to make sure your avocado is just a little bit soft to the touch. Mm-hmm. If it's firm, when you go to cut into it, it won't be the right consistency. You want it to be soft inside. Okay. So avocados have a big pit in the very center. So you cut it long ways and just go all the way around that pit until you've cut your avocado in half. And they kind of just break in half, don't they? Pull it apart at the seams. Yeah. And then then how do we get the how do we get the skin off it? You scoop it out. Okay. Um, Or you can use a butter knife, which is what I'm doing, and you just run that all the way around edge of the skin and loosen it and it just kind of pops it, out don't it yeah, pops right out. yeah that's nice i'm using a half of an avocado okay. for this because again you got to remember your proportions and i'm slicing it thinly lengthwise okay so and we're going the gonna... easiest way to do that is put the avocado with the open with the flats face down. down yeah okay and the curved dome top should be facing up yep okay and then slice it long ways all right okay and next, I'm going to go ahead and chop up some of these great tomatoes, make them a little smaller. And about I how just m- dropped them on the About floor. how many do you think you will use I on a... I use about seven of them. Okay. Not counting the one I dropped on the floor. <laughs> and what I just do is I quarter them. Okay. Just to be, make them a little smaller. They fit a little better. Yeah, one thing about tomatoes, if you get them too big and you try to put them in a wrap when you fold your um, tortilla over, the tomato pieces will pop out and that's one of the mistakes that that I made when I first started doing wraps and I've learned from Sarah that the smaller you cut most vegetables the better it will be so if you want to put cucumbers or tomatoes or anything like that in a wrap or even peppers it's best to cut them pretty small 
don't you think? Or at least slice them very thin. Right. Like in the avocado, it's very thin, but it's soft, so it'll kind of squish up a little bit right. to get in the. Okay. So now I'm going to take a butter knife and get some hummus. How much hummus do you uh, think we'll be using? Approximately a tablespoon. Okay. And this is what size wrap? A 10 inch? Uh, yes, this is a 10 inch. Okay. And what you want to do is pick a side when you're putting in your filling. You don't want to just stick it in the middle. So uh, right at the, maybe close to the bottom? But not on the very edge. So you want to be about an inch away from the edge. Okay. And I'm just going to spread the hummus evenly. Okay. On this half and work it towards the middle, but right. you're not going to cover the whole surface of your wrap. Okay. Just like the bottom half? Mm-hmm. Okay. But you don't want it to go all the way to the edge either. Right. Next, I'm going to go ahead and put my avocado slices mm -hmm. and do them side down so that they're flat. Okay. And just go all the way across where I just put the hummus. Do you start that about an inch or two from the bottom too? Yeah, you're just going to cover the area that you did the hummus. Okay. So what I've got is I have five slices okay. going one way, and then I have the three smallest slices at the bottom. Okay. And I'm going to put my tomatoes, sprinkle those on top. Since you've got them small, you can just sprinkle mm -hmm. them. Just lightly. Mm -hmm. And again, you just want to cover the avocado, and you're just going to keep building on that. And then next, you can use... Any kind of greens, in this case I just have some salad greens, right here. Okay. And you just... What is it, like 50-50 mix, mm -hmm. or... Yeah. And I'm going to actually break some of this up a little bit. Yeah, salad greens smaller. are sometimes a little too big. But you don't need a lot. You can use, like, shredded lettuce or shredded kale, anything like that. Okay. So you basically you're building a little mountain here. So I've piled on all my toppings, and you're going to go to that edge. The bottom one? The bottom edge where you stayed about an inch away with the hummus. Mm -hmm. And you're going to bring that in. And it helps if you put your hand across all your toppings as you tuck the bottom edge forward. Mm -hmm. So you're going to pin it, pin all your stuffing down with this edge. Underneath the bottom flap. And then hold that with your right hand or your left hand, whichever is easier. With your other hand, go to the side of the tortilla. And you're going to bring that edge in but not all the way into the middle just whatever isn't covered with filling so so you'll be able to feel what just doesn't on yours in. about how far is it about an inch and a half okay so when you've pulled everything together you should have the bottom folded in on uh, onto your toppings and then the two outer edges on the left and right should be on top of that folded in okay. and you should have a little space in between where you can still feel the topping okay okay what well, you best way to do this at this point is to lay your hands palm side down on top of the wrap. Right. Put your thumbs where the where you can still feel the topping. The bottom flap. Okay. Flap. Bleh, flap. I can't talk today. <laughs> where the bottom flap is. Okay. Okay. Hold with your fingertips the two sides so that they stay down. Okay. Bring your thumbs to the very bottom underneath. And use your thumbs to roll it forward and use your fingers to help keep everything in place. Because you want to keep those sides mm -hmm. curving inwards. Now you'll start to feel the sides push out and that's okay because you want it to stretch a little bit and keep it a nice tight curve and roll it forward once. Okay. Now when you do this, you should have all the toppings covered and a nice roll started. And if you feel to the left and the right, you'll feel there's a folded edge that comes out at an angle facing away from your edge that you've just folded in. Right. And what you want to do is with one hand hold your roll in place, you might have to pull it back just slightly, and tuck that part that sticks out underneath your roll. The roll. Okay. And do it very gently so you don't break it. Right. And then once you've tucked that in, you can finish rolling it the rest of the way up. Okay. And there you have it. So that that looks like a really nice wrap and boy it looks neat. There's no end yeah. sticking out, nothing. If you want to pack this for a lunch the way I like to do it is get a wax piece of paper mm -hmm. and you want to place it seam side down mm -hmm. on the end. You're going to hold the, have the paper so it's like a diamond shape pointed mm -hmm. towards you. Bring that corner edge up and roll forward. Right. Tuck in your sides. Mm -hmm. 
And if you've ever had a Subway sandwich, it kind of looks like how they wrap it in right. paper. And you roll it all the way up, mm -hmm. and then grab a sharp knife. And One that's serrated. Yes, a serrated knife. Because you want the, you know, to cut through the paper. Cut the center of the sandwich. You're going to cut it in half, but at a slight angle. So it's almost like a diagonal. Yep. And just cut all the way through. Okay. And then you can drop the two halves into a sandwich bag or a Ziploc bag. And when you're ready to eat it, they're already wrapped, and you just Unroll push it up it. from yeah. the bottom okay. a little bit. And that way it's in the paper so you can sit at your desk and eat. That's nice. So the key to a good wrap, just to recap, is not to put too much stuff in it. Don't overfill it. Be slow and careful when you wrap it, and roll it tightly. Okay. Can you give us some other wrap suggestions, things that can go in it? Okay. Um, anything you can put in a sandwich, you can put in a wrap. Okay. Like I said, I had a friend that used to do peanut butter, banana, and jelly. I used to do a turkey and um, slaw one that I liked. Yeah, you can do turkey and slaw. Um, one of my personal favorites is Greek salad in a wrap. You put your... Um, your, your lunch meat, like if you want to use, say, sliced smoked turkey or you have some salami or, or anything like that, put that on the bottom. Put all your salad toppings on there, your feta cheese, your lettuce, tomato, mm -hmm. all chopped up. Um, Kalamata olives chopped up. And then your Greek dressing, you can top it off with if it's oil-based. If it's an oil-based sauce, you want it on top of the toppings. You right, use right. Because it, it'll sog out your tortilla. Right. If you're just using a creamier dressing, you can put that on the bottom underneath the lunch meat. Yeah. Hummus is a good... Hummus is a very good... Wrap um, filling. Mm -hmm. It works very well because it gives you protein without having to use lunch meat. Well, and and you, it comes in a variety yeah. of flavors. And you can actually get... Um, some grocery stores in the deli department now carry hummus made out of different vegetables. Right. Carrot hummus, beet Spinach hummus. hummus. Um, beet hummus in particular is very good. Yeah. And, um, you know, so if you want to change it from regular chickpea hummus, you know, and, and making it at home yourself if you don't, you know, want to buy the container is pretty simple too. And you can put like turkey and hummus. Yes, you can. If you want a really high protein wrap. Um, but yeah, anything you can put in a sandwich or even a salad can be made yeah. into a wrap. Well, that's good. And as far as I'm concerned, that's a wrap. <laughs> and I thank you, Sarah, for teaching us how to make a wrap today. And I hope you'll come again when we of have course. another topic that we need. We really appreciate it. So if you have any questions for Sarah, you can contact us on all the usual social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, or at the um, i3fitness website, blindalive.com. We look forward to seeing you next time on Let's Eat. Are you interested in finding products which will help you to read and write easily and intuitively via your iOS device? The VoiceStream Reader and Writer applications may be just what you're looking for, and Mystic Access can assist you in using them effectively with our comprehensive audio tutorials. With VoiceStream Writer, you can enter, select, move, and format text easily and conveniently. Import and export text. Proofread. Define words, get help finding the exact words you want to use, and more. With VoiceStream Reader, you can read in a variety of formats and using various services such as Bookshare and Project Gutenberg. Choose your reading speed, font, reading voice, and the manner in which you wish to read your text. The VoiceStream apps can make your reading and writing, well, a dream. And Mystic Access provides you with the ability to learn to use these apps in a fun and enjoyable manner. Check out the VoiceStream apps for iOS at voicestream.com and learn about the Mystic Access audio tutorials for VoiceStream Reader and VoiceStream Writer for iOS at mysticaccess.com. Or call us to order your tutorials via phone at 716-543-3323. Mystic Access, where the magic is in learning. Thanks to Peggy and Sarah for telling us how to make a wrap. Of course, just because it's called a wrap doesn't necessarily mean it's low calorie. So how much you put in it what you put in it, and what the wrap is itself. You can get all kinds of wraps, and the best kind of wrap to get is a multi-grain, a really hearty wrap. You can also get the bigger, larger wraps that are essentially just processed white flour wraps, and you don't want that. And you can also get corn tortilla wraps, 
What I like to do when I make a wrap is not to fill it so much and then I pinch off the extra edges of the wrap if the filling doesn't touch it all. So that's an idea too, so you can do that. So this is the end of our 50th podcast. Remember that you can go to blindalive.com and subscribe to the newsletter. Right now we are offering the guided relaxation for free by our very own Joe Simic. He is the voice of gentle yoga for beginners and slow flow yoga. Go to the website blindalive.com and you can subscribe and find a whole lot of other things. There are the workouts there and the Bhakti Pack is there. So, and we would love to hear feedback. If you have the energy and the patience to go rate us on iTunes, that would be fabulous. Take care, everybody. 